back to another episode of Generally Assembled, your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican podcast. Uh, I'm Jason Gottesman, joined by Neil Lesher. Jesse Topper is out on assignment today. Yeah. Once again, we're topperless in Harrisburg. Uh, but you do have a, uh, a Jesse Topper-like story, one of our uh, num- our number one listener. I do. Shout-outs for shout-outs right out, <laughs> right out of the gate. So last week, I was invited to play in Jesse's golf outing at Bedford Springs. Was, you know, very Representative Topper. Representative Topper. Yeah. Uh, Representative Jesse. And so, you know, I took a vacation day and, and headed out, and it was, you know, beautiful day. And we're getting ready to go off on the first hole, and uh, this very lovely lady uh, comes over and introduces herself to me, and she says, oh, hi, I'm Jesse's mom. And I said, Ruth! <laughs> you know, she, her eyes got all big, and I said, it's Neil from the podcast. And, of course, she immediately wanted to give me a hug. And we talked uh, about, she listens every week, uh, her, her main beef, and Chuck, maybe you can get working on this, uh, her main beef is that she can't leave a positive review on each episode. That Apple Podcasts only allows you to leave one review for the whole podcast. Yeah, Chuck, series. we're going to need you to take on Apple. I'll write yeah. a strongly worded letter. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you could take on Apple, uh, maybe enlist Elon Musk in your crusade. I think that might help. But yeah, I mean, it was great meeting Ruth. She loves the podcast. She reassured me of that. Uh, she even listens when Jesse's not on. Uh, so, uh, shout out for shout out. Hi, Ruth. It's hey, me, Ruth. Neil. If you haven't met me yet, I'm Jason. You know. It's actually kind of funny. We took I, a, we, I, I, am, I am as I appear on the podcast. We took a selfie together, and I texted it to Jason and to Jesse Topper, and I was like, I met Ruth. And uh, afterwards at the lunch, um, Jesse comes up to me, and he goes, how excited were you to meet Ruth? And I said, well, not as excited as she was to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we're quasi-stars on this podcast. Uh, uh, we don't let it go to our heads. Faded stars. Faded stars. Yeah. Well, you know, there's uh, speaking about taking on Apple, that, that you know reminds me of a, of a big beef that I've always had with Google, because I feel like they missed a really big opportunity when they incorporated under Alphabet. They should have incorporated under Oranges, so that way, when you're deciding which platform you want to use, you're literally comparing apples to oranges. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, look, Google. If you need advice on marketing and communications, how, contact us through the podcast. How Ge- long have you been holding that? Generally one? assembled at pahousegop.com. Uh, you know, I'm happy to talk it out. <laughs> God. Well, we're off to a good start here. Just um, ask Hager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any Hager news? No, there is no new Hager news. Uh, I'm wearing. I'm wearing a Hager suit. Got a Hager shirt on. Not my Hager socks today, but. Um, I did find the white shirt that I was looking for. I'm wearing it right now, and uh, the smartwatch shirts. I tell you, they're still the best. They're they're light. They're they're breezy. And you know, I haven't actually had to dress up in work clothes here for a while, uh, just because we haven't done the pod. I've been been around taking some some downtime, but putting it back on today, I'm like, man, this this is comfortable. It's a comfortable shirt. Like, you know, sometimes you put on a dress shirt and it's it's itchy or it's tight or it's heavy. Yeah. Uh, this it, it this... got smaller for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Especially during the budget, they tend to get smaller <laughs> all the time. You know, this uh, Hager Smartwash uh, line of shirts, I, I really like. Plus, they're made from recycled plastic bottles like uh, you two are drinking out of right now. We're, we're saving the environment one comfortable shirt at a time. Well, I'm happy I can contribute. Anyway, so we actually do have some stuff we want to talk about uh, related to actual work that's been going on in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives and in our caucus. Uh, and one of those is uh, the the call from all of our leadership on the state-related universities to you know, scale back their tuition increases in light of the governor's announcement that he's giving them the 5% increase that they sought after. 
Yeah, you know, and I think we've talked about this before. I mean, but all these universities are sitting on massive endowments, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, I think times times are really tight for for middle class families with inflation uh, where it's at, and you know, I think it would have been a good move for these universities to recognize that and say, you know what, for this year, we're going to hold our tuition flat. We're gonna we're gonna you know help our students be able to afford college. You know, in addition to getting the hundreds of millions of dollars that they get from the taxpayers annually, uh, the governor decided to give them additional money out of COVID relief funds. You know, I just think it's a little tone deaf that these universities, and we're talking about Pitt, Penn State, Temple, and Lincoln University to a lesser degree. You know, I think it's a little tone deaf that they would do actually quite hefty tu- tuition increases. We're talking yeah. like 5% tuition increases. Yeah, well, I think Penn State's is the second largest in history yeah. that they've done. But but look, and, and it's it's not just the out-of-state students, right? Uh, you know, you can understand that. But now that taxpayers are carrying an additional burden for these schools, you would think that at least in-state students would be able to get, you know, have their tuition increase taken away or lessened to a certain extent. But, you know, I think I think you're absolutely right, Neil, you know, is that you know, they were flat funded in many of these schools right after the budget was passed, cited that flat funding as a result of why they needed to increase tuition. Well, now you're not flat funded anymore. The governor's giving you the increase that you sought for, sought you sought after at the beginning of the budget cycle. Um, and I think it's incumbent, you know, look, the Pashi system, they got, they did get a lot of money in this budget, but they're not raising tuition. Um, you know, this, this is something that, you know, if you want to remain competitive, there are already some of the most expensive public schools, uh, quote-unquote public schools in the country um, for in-state tuition. So you, it's, it's time, you know, it's the, the leaders basically said, hey, you know, in light of this increase, you know, you should really think about rolling back these tuition increases for all students, but at least for Pennsylvania students who are the ones that you're, you have a public mission for. Right. And, you know, and I think, too, um, you know, these are federal relief funds meant for COVID still, Still leftover money from the American Rescue Plan. Which these schools also got directly. They got direct money right. during the Lots pandemic. Of money. Yep. I mean, a lot, both from the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan Act. So, yeah, and that's this is kind of on the heels of that. So in, in addition to getting all this influx of money, uh, much of that they were required to pass through to students, uh, you know, to help out with tuition bills, to then kind of a year later reverse course and say, well, actually, we're going to increase tuition. I just think it's, it's tone deaf. I just think it's tone deaf. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to something else that we've been keeping an eye on, which is, believe it or not, Neil, guess what? What? The Department of State screwed up again. What? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's right. Uh, The Philadelphia Inquirer uh, reported earlier this week that as the Department of State is suing three counties for not counting undated mail ballots, they did certify an election in a fourth county that also did not count undated mail ballots. So Butler County did the same thing that the uh, the three other counties did, which is Lehigh, Lancaster, and Fayette, and Butler. They did not count the undated mail ballots, and the Department of State has yet to certify the elections in those counties because of that issue. However, Butler County also did not count undated mail ballots, but the Department of State certified their election. Do you know why? I'll tell you why. It's because their color coding on the spreadsheet that they kept was incorrect. <laughs> so let's go back. Let's just go the, back. The spreadsheet that the Department of State kept? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so let's go back. Butler County told them they weren't going to count the ballots, and they color-coded it wrong. And so the Department of State just looked at a spreadsheet and goes, all right, everything in this color, certify. Everything in this color, we're suing. <laughs> so It's quite the system. Yeah, it seems like really quite the system. Uh, so let's go back. This is the same de- that Department of State that didn't know how to track 
constitutional amendments going through the process now requiring survivors of child sexual abuse to wait more before they can have retroactive window open for for lawsuits. So they've harmed sex abuse survivors. They've given inconsistent, vague, and sometimes misleading guidance on elections. Right. Um, They favored certain counties with outside money. They favored certain counties with outside money, the Zuckerbuck stuff, which, by the way, we've now fixed. Right. Um, You know, now this spreadsheet issue, I quipped, uh, and I thought it was pretty good quip, that if the Department of State is keeping a spreadsheet that maintains a list of all the things that they've done competently, that list is probably pretty small and also incompetently managed. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it does beg the question, like, is there any level of competency at the Department of State? And look, the Department of State actually oversees some very serious things, right? Professional licensure issues, uh, elections. I mean, obviously. the same licenses and stuff that they were taking away during the pandemic. and Right. Well, and took away, and then now we have all these waivers. We just keep waiving regulations, which begs the question, why do we need all these regulations, right? Like, if, if the regulations aren't needed in the middle of a crisis or a pandemic, are the regulations needed? Probably not. Maybe that's the one bright spot out of COVID is that we learned that government uh, overreach is real. Well, yeah, and I think, I think a lot of things have happened over the last few years that have been you know, positive for government coming out of the pandemic. One is that the legislature has reasserted its authority to a degree which has been unseen, I think, in generations because, you know, we are the voice close to the people and the people expected us to be responsive to stuff that was being dictated to them literally by the government, by the administration. Uh, And there was not a lot of tools we had to be able to do that. So we've taken a lot of that power back. Uh, Also, as a result of the pandemic, and just what you pointed out, Neil, is I think this has really been one of the greatest two to three years of regulatory reform, we've seen probably modern times of regulations being rolled back, uh, government being scaled back, and getting government out of people's lives. Because we saw, you know, like you said, if, if, if these regulations are onerous during a pandemic, well, guess what? They're onerous and they're burdensome uh, regardless. Right. Um, so, you know, that's stuff that the legislature has done to help really improve the climate here as we get out of COVID. You know, we, we just saw, and there was an op-ed that ran from Leader Benninghoff, Wendy Thomas, Representative Wendy Thomas, Representative Aaron Coffer, who announced the uh, Economic Recovery uh, Task Force at the beginning of session, showing that a lot of this work was stuff that was laid out uh, at the beginning of session by this task force as things that they wanted to look at. And a lot of that stuff has gone on behind the scenes and how these policies have been developed. But now that there was a business survey that came out, the big CNBC business survey about where states are, uh, Pennsylvania saw some of the, the best improvement in those rankings as a result of some of the work that came out of the recommendations of that task force. So the regulatory climate, now lowering the CNI, you know, moving forward on some of this tax fairness stuff for small businesses has, has really helped Pennsylvania attract those jobs, bring about natural growth so that we can be protected from things like this recession that we're going through, uh, the inflationary spiral created by Joe Biden and his uh, D.C. and Harrisburg allies, and some of the same bad policy that's now still coming out of D.C. in the quote-unquote Inflation Reduction Act. I said to somebody yesterday, they call it the Inflation Reduction Act, but it's actually going to increase inflation and raise taxes. Is right. that like me eating a donut and saying it's a diet pill? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> even, the, even the White House, like their, their own economic advisors are trying to go on these cable news shows and argue that, like, well, it does reduce inflation. And there, one, there was one estimate that said it might reduce inflation by like a third of a percent. And it's like, yeah, inflation's over 8%. Yeah, uh, again today, 8.7% over last year, which is, uh, I was waiting for the White House to take credit for the Inflation Reduction Act lowering the increase in inflation this this time, because it would be funny because it's not actually in law yet. 
you know, the, 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 I think one of the, the, the most interesting parts about this Inflation Reduction Act is the 87,000 IRS agents, and we're supposed to think that they're going to be totally dedicated to people making more than $400,000 a year uh, and billionaire corporations. Somebody put a picture up on social media today of a football stadium, packed football stadium, and they said, this is 65,000 people. Right. This is, there's going to be 22,000 more IRS agents hired, and you think that they're only going to be looking at a small number of people. That's a huge yeah, I mean, football I th- stadium. You think about it, like Beaver Stadium at like maximum capacity is what, like one fifteen, right. maybe, um, or a little over one ten, maybe something like that. But like, yeah. And, and the other thing is, where are they going to find these eighty seven thousand people? Right. Like, so every company. Yeah, I mean, Chick Fil A can't even find people to work in the drive through right, line. Right. Like, how's the federal government think that they're going to find eighty seven thousand people with a CPA? You know, competent, people. competent people. Right. Competent people. Well, I mean, it's the IRS. None of them are competent. Um, that's not a requirement. Um, but, like, yeah, and exactly. And I think I saw you know somebody on one of the cable shows uh, the other day that was saying about how, like, there's only so many billionaires in this country. So, like, after they're done with the thousand-so billionaires, who are they going to go after? It's, it's going to be people like us. It's right. going to be middle-class people. You know, the Inflation Reduction Act is so, it's so laughable. And actually, shout-outs for shout-outs. Uh, Nick in my office shared this clip with me, and he was – it was uh, somebody, it was, I think it was a, a Biden economic advisor, and he was talking about how, you know, this is actually going to reduce inflation by reducing prescription drug costs and reducing um, energy costs and other things by basically, instead of consumers having to pay for these things, we'll just put more of it on the government's credit card. And so that's not how we got into this inflationary spiral in the first place. <laughs> like, it's just like, it makes your head want to explode. Yeah. It's like, do you people understand what caused inflation? Well, they do, but they don't want to blame themselves. Right. It's like how the Biden it's administration prudent. is now going around saying, you're saving 60 cents a gallon on gas. Right. Without being the ones to be like, well, actually, you're still paying more after we got in here and started messing around. I know. I was actually down in Delaware this weekend, and on my way back, uh, I stopped uh, before coming across the Bay Bridge in Maryland, and I stopped at a Royal Farms and got gas for three eighty-five. And it's really sad when you're excited to see 385 and you're like, I'm going to fill my tank. Um, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. You know, a year or two ago, I was paying, you know, in the $2 range. But yeah, I, I remember when, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, actually, interesting Biden story Yeah, for the listeners. Hopefully, Secret Service isn't listening. Um, so we were uh, in the inlet, in the Indian River Inlet in Delaware, right? So there's the bridge and there's the inlet. And we need to get gas for the boat. So we pull into the marina and kind of notice that right by the, the marina gas pumps on the north side of the Indian River Inlet, there was a military Humvee. There was a radar thing spinning around, right? There was a Penske truck, like a Penske rental truck, which God knows what was in the back of that. And then there was this tractor trailer. It looked, you know, completely inconspicuous, but it had these like canvas roll up sides on it, right? And it was just running, right? And then right out of central casting, I swear to God, there's this like young 20 something year old guy with a crew cut, uh, cargo pants, uh, black polo shirt, just kind of like, you know, fishing off the rocks. Totally normal. (laughs) Right. And so as we pull up to the the fuel pump, we ask the guy at the fuel pump, we're like, what's going on here? And he says, oh, yeah. He says, whenever Biden or one of his family members is in town, they show up. And he said, you know, that truck's always running. I think there's more than just a big screen tv in the back of it interesting yeah no, I, I i presume maybe it was like kind of like an aircraft defense uh position or something like that but 
kind of makes you think about like when the president travels I and mean, there's a no fly zone over wherever he is and they have to enforce that somehow right so there's kind of all this stuff that we don't see per se but it's out there well look you know stories are what they are there was the taco bell and carlisle closed and somebody told me that it was because that they uh sold meth out of there and there was meth dust that got in people's food so they knocked the whole thing down turns out they were just remodeling <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, but I, but I did actually see. <laughs> well, I saw the Taco Bell knock down myself. <laughs> I asked somebody what was going on. This was the story they told. And then I read in the paper that the, a few days later that they're just putting in one of the new modern Taco Bells. It's true because it's my lived experience. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we can end it there. We've, you can find uh, Generally Assembled where you find all of your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican podcasts at www.pahousegop.com slash podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, and not on Stitcher. Also, you know, Google, again, this whole orange thing. I still think we should have a conversation. All right. Well, that's Generally Assembled for this week. For Neil, I'm Jason. Uh, Chalk, you've been great. Jesse, we'll see you later. Uh, Generally Assembled.